We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to IB Nation Sports Talk. We are up and rolling. Once again, it's mailbag night. He's Vince D'Addario. I'm Sean Styers. It's a crappy day outside, so <laughs> hopefully <laughs> hopefully our YouTube viewers get us going here pretty soon. Hopefully sooner than later, because <laughs> yeah. I, I'm normally very impressed by the excitement level of the guys in the chat, the conversation that goes on. I know. It's we so should have just far. saved all the Drew Pine questions for tonight. But, you know, people had a million Drew Pine questions last I know. night. But, uh, well, we are here. We are here to take your questions because it is mailbag night. So shoot them at us. Don't be afraid. Bring them on. We will, uh, you know, we will talk about it. Yep, Stymie, that's right. Eddie Rabbit, I love a rainy night. That's what it is. That's what it is. Vince's son is down in Goshen playing mm. a little uh, sectional, or is it regional? Regional semifinals, yeah. Regional semifinal soccer tonight because they already won a sectional champion. Yep, yep. Right. in the rain, in the pouring rain. So good luck. I, I have chosen to be here with the people as opposed to being there with those people. So I saw yeah. I, I have my soccer pullover. So I'm you know I'm 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 rooting for him. I'm pulling for him, but I'm also dry, which is not the case with all the people that are there right now. So I was uh, I had a follow up appointment, my six week follow up with my cardiologist after my whole thing. Oh yeah, six weeks ago, obviously my little pacemaker up here, and uh, <laughs> he's the one. I don't know if you remember, but I I talked about it when I came back about the fact that, you know, as he's doing the procedure, I'm kind of regaining consciousness and he's still like suturing and, you know, closing me up and all that nice. stuff. And we seem to be in the middle of a conversation about Notre Dame football. And we were talking about, you know, the, the history of the coaches, wow. Bob Davey, Tyrone Willingham, Charlie Weiss, who deserved to go, who, you know, maybe should have stayed longer, that kind of stuff. So I saw him today he said, yeah, I watched your podcast. You were talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> that so, is hilarious. Shout out again to Dr. Turk over there at St. Uh, Joe Regional. Literally keeping you alive. So we appreciate Dr. Turk. Yeah. Yeah. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. So, yes, we had that. Um, I watched Quantum Leap last night. So we can talk about that here in a little bit. 
I forgot. I should have just added that to the rapid fire. I forgot to add that to rapid it's fire. Okay. We can stick it in there. We can stick it in anywhere. Yeah, so. no doubt. We can we can call it audible on that one because I do have some questions for you okay. about your thoughts on that particular episode and yeah. kind of how things are progressing. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, smash that like button if you would now that more people are climbing in tonight and we are getting more questions coming yeah, in we are. as well. Much appreciated for that. Like button, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Let's uh, let's just jump in here. I'll uh, I'll start scrolling through. And, All right. uh, I'll just see. I'll stay at the bottom, keep starring, and okay. You keep I'll tell you what. Up. Brian had the first question. He was one of the first ones in. Brian J. Irish. So we will take his question first. And he says, "Will Tobias get one catch against Stanford? I'm certainly hoping for more catches, but we don't want to overdo it." I'm gonna go. With yes, I think he will get his first catch against Stanford because we have in the last two games seen a progressive increase in reps. And this past game, he was actually on the field when the ball was thrown, which is a increase from what we saw before. And Stanford is not very good. And so I would hope that he would get a catch. And maybe, just maybe, that catch will come from Steve Angeli. I'll even throw that in there. That would be very interesting. This should be a lopsided game. This is yes. not a good Stanford team. I did the interview with the Stanford guy today. We'll have that on tomorrow's show. They're just not good. And, you know, they're giving up almost 211 rushing yards per game. This should be a game. Their secondary is decent. So, and sure. their offense, you know, quarterback can throw it a little bit too. I'm curious to see what they're able to do because the offensive line is not that good. They basically have one running back. What I'm alluding to is the fact that this should be a lopsided game and hopefully by the fourth quarter, you know, maybe some guys like, you know, like you're saying, Angeli, Merriweather, maybe they all get out there. I don't know. I don't know if I want to quite rush to that. I'll just say, I'll say, yeah, he, he gets a catch because... You know, again, it's it's at least he's seeing the field. He's you know he's seen the field in two out of the last three games now. So yeah. that's a start, and I'll say that that he does. Even though you know, again, like you look at overall wide receiver production, and we've got a a Tobias angled question coming up that'll lead off rapid fire tonight as well. I'll say he gets a catch though. What the heck? Yeah, why not? I it just it would fit the pattern. You know, it would be great. I think that's the next step. And somebody said, how about just a target? Now, okay, I'll take that too. Take that but as well. I feel like, uh, you know, if he does get the ball thrown in his direction, it'll be a fairly easy throw. And so it should be an easy catch. Yeah. Um, so that's why I said catch. If you love drinking coffee every morning, you have to check out Trade Coffee. Trade makes it super easy to get the best coffee delivered fresh from the finest local roasters around the country. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. No fancy equipment required. Trade partners with the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you coffee that they know you'll love, fresh to your home, and on your preferred schedule. And you get to support small local businesses, which is a win-win. Whether you already know what you like or are new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. They'll send you ground coffee or whole beans for however you make coffee at home. My wife likes a dark roast with full flavor. 
And every brand we've tried has lived up to the billing, whether it's the Big City Blend from Joe's Coffee, the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, or the Holmes Blend from Sparrows. Every cup has not only had a pleasing aroma while brewing, but also a rich, full taste. So whether you're just getting started or a coffee aficionado looking to discover something new, Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll send you a new one for free. Upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork out of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your subscription plus free shipping at drinktrade.com irish. That's drinktrade.com irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. That's drinktrade.com irish. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Along the lines of receivers, Paul says, how long do you think it'll take for Notre Dame to get world-class wide receivers and use them? Well, they've gotten good wide receivers. They just haven't used them. So I, I can't world class. I mean, you know, they got a top 20 receiver in Tobias Merriweather. They just haven't used him yet. So, you know, they're getting guys. They're just not utilizing them yet. And so how long do I think it'll take? Might take a change in offensive coordinator, to be honest with you, and, and or a change in his philosophy, like a, like a, a massive change in his philosophy. but. Until that happens, it's not going to be until there's a different guy calling the shots. Now, at the same time, to be fair, you know, we, as we've talked about, there are receivers to throw to. Drew Pine isn't always seeing them and making those throws. Fair know, enough. Like, he obviously made a, you know, as we talked about yesterday, great throw to Jaden Thomas, let him go get a 50-50 ball. Thomas made a play on it, turned it into a touchdown. We just, like the fact that Braden Lindsay is only, he's averaging less than 10 yards per catch right now. That's yeah. inconceivable. A guy with Braden Lindsay's speed, Agreed. that's what he's averaging per catch. You know, and I'm not calling Braden Lindsay world class, but he's fast. He was going to go to Oregon, oh, run track, absolutely. and play football. He's a yeah. fast guy, and that's a good track program. You know, it's I, I, there's talent there. It's just a matter of utilizing it, and we've got to they, they've got to get to that point at some point. Yep, absolutely that's, agree. Great. I'll just throw Stymie up there. I have yeah. no idea how practices are structured, but in an attempt to develop to screen plays, do they dedicate time during the season to work on wide receiver tight end blocking? Well, I don't know how they structure practice either because we're not there, but every team 
devotes time to blocking, especially the tight ends, because they actually work with the offensive line in blocking. So, yes, they definitely do. And I know for a fact that when we were there, the wide receivers work on blocking. So, yes, the answer is yes. Now, blocking specific to a screenplay, that, that's a little bit different, but they definitely block out time for blocking. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and I remember like during train, you know, again, during the season, we don't know because we do, we're not there during the season. We don't get to see any of that. But during training camp, I distinctly remember plenty of times seeing tight ends pushing the block and sled around and that kind of stuff. So know that. I'm trying to remember specific wide receiver blocking drills. Like, do you remember? Not specifically. Uh, they they did a lot of hands drills when we yeah. were there, you know. But, I mean, the short answer is yes. They always practice blocking. But based on the results on the field the first few games, I would say not enough. And then I would also say that based on what they've done kind of moving forward, they have gone back to it. That's That's what I would say based on the performance on Saturdays. Right. All right. Any update on the live show on game day? I'm bringing my boy down for his first night game and would love to meet everybody. Well, the live show we do is from here, just like we're doing it currently. And at 10 a.m. We always do it at 10 regardless of what time the game kicks off. 10 to noon every Saturday morning. No questions asked on that one. I don't know if Brian is planning on doing a tailgate or not. You'll have to ask in his show. Uh, I haven't talked to him about that, but if he is, they'll be out there and he's generally out there to kind of tailgating a little bit too, you know, checking everybody out and, and things like that. So I don't know if IB is hosting one or not, but as far as the show is concerned, you can tune in at 10 o'clock or else the podcast will of course be up and ready to go shortly after the show ends. So you can check it out that way. But uh, yeah, we're always at 10 AM no matter what. Yes. yes sorry i'm sitting here looking i'm scrolling through some of the questions we've got i will i will say because i'm seeing a couple of questions uh trickle in sean and myself we are not recruiting guys and so some of the recruiting questions we're not going to be able to answer yeah like as far as who's going to be in town this weekend i know it's a big recruiting weekend you know that sort of a thing you know somebody asked if we still have a shot at Keon keely I would say you've always got a shot till he signs something, but I don't know the details of that recruitment. I know that there's been some buzz about Jeremiah Love at, you know, recently. I know he's going to be in town. Some, so I know some of the periphery uh, stuff. And then when I would do the, the shows during the week, I would have a little bit more knowledge because I would just literally sit there and listen to Ryan talk about it. Uh, <laughs> but I don't do those shows anymore, so I'm not 100% sure on a lot of the recruiting stuff. So I know they did a recruiting show on Monday. And I believe they do like a mini mailbag every day too. So I would throw your questions in there as well. So I apologize, but that recruiting is not our beat. So we don't really have a whole lot of answers on the recruiting. Very side true. Of things. Very true. Now, I saw this one. We'll go ahead and throw this one in here. Andrew, how many of the top 25 teams do you think Notre Dame would beat? No doubt if they played their B game. And I'm I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about the opponent playing their B game, not Notre Dame well, playing their B game. I mean, why do we why do they have to play their B game for Notre Dame to beat them? I mean, they just beat the 16th <laughs> ranked team in the country, you know, last Saturday. So, and I'm pretty sure BYU is still ranked. North Carolina is ranked. 
if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, are we talking the the AP poll, Sean? Well, that's a good question. I'm 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 looking. I'm I'm kind of counting right here, right now at the AP. North Carolina's ranked 25th. Okay. In the coaches, but not in the AP. Now I got to oh, start. Okay. Okay. All right. I mean, look, there, there's a lot of look. Do I think Notre Dame would beat James Madison? Yes. Do I think that they? I mean, there's a lot of teams on here that I think Notre Dame can beat. I don't know why we have to designate them having their B game. If if if, if teams are playing with their B game. And Notre Dame can beat most of them. Um, it, you know, if not, I won't say all, but they can beat most of them if they're all playing their B game. I will yeah, say that. I mean, like, yeah, and like with, with their B game, that obviously changes right. everything. But like I'm looking at, you know, just kind of scrolling through and looking at some of these teams, you know, like the lower half of the top 25, like any given year, I'm fairly confident w- without their B game right. with most of them. You know, like now Kansas is in there, and I like Kansas – offense their defense is is you know nothing to speak of even though they've played better defensively the last couple of weeks that could actually be an interesting game i i think because i think i told you the other day i really like the creativity that kansas has with their offense but you know i'm again i'm 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 going through here you know like kansas state is ranked 17th right now and basically the reason kansas state is ranked 17th is because they beat a horrible oklahoma team that was completely overrated when they played them right you know so that's what that comes down to um and then they won a just a ugly game 10 to 9 against iowa state last week like 10 to 9 you talk about iowa games being boring but there are a lot of good offensive teams in this poll right now you know like TCU, UCLA, you know, USC is really good this year. Tennessee, and I'm talking about offense, Tennessee, you yeah. know, then you, you start getting toward the top. So I'd say about half, you know, that, that lower half, I'm pretty confident in just about any game that Notre Dame would play in with them, I think. Okay. I like that. I'm, I'm texting with Brian right now, and he's telling me about this live in-person show that he's doing. Oh, so there's a live show that we didn't know about. Yes, he is so he's doing- trying to keep us away from it. Uh, yeah, he's saying he's doing it from 3 to 3.30 on campus near the Dome. Hasn't picked out a precise spot just yet. And uh, he said people need to follow him on Twitter and sign up for the boards to get more details. Okay. So I, that's what I – I mean, I'm hearing about this for the first time, friends. So, so he's uh, going to do a live show from campus? Apparently. Interesting. I didn't – yeah, I will talk to you about that later. <laughs> No, I know because you know there there are different rules and regs, yes. you know, regarding who can do what from campus and stuff like that. So that I'll was... be I'll be curious to talk to you about that. All right, all right. Irish Shy Town, plain and simple, keys to victory against Stanford. My key: show up, <laughs> don't fall asleep, <laughs> and beyond that <laughs> you know don't play sloppy uh, you know, again this is a team that's given up almost 211 rushing yards a game and Notre Dame is coming off back to back what 287 and 234 rushing days yep. against North Carolina and BYU and this team is ranked 121st in the nation this is the worst run defense they're going to face this year and they just got done running for over what 500 yards in two games, you know, against their last two opponents who have better run defenses. So this is not a good matchup. 
for Stanford. Notre Dame should be able to have its way. They might give up some points because, again, Stanford McKee can throw a little bit. Sure, but uh, they don't they don't run the ball particularly well. You can get to McKee, you can sack him, you know. So, and they don't cause turnovers either. Neither one of these teams, you know, Notre Dame is forced to, Stanford is forced to. That's something that they're both doing poorly. So it's not like you have to worry about a ball hawking defense by any means. So. I don't know what else to add to that. I mean, this this is just on paper a very lopsided matchup. I agree with you. And I was going to say show up too, but then I think in the back of my head, Marshall. So yeah. really just showing up isn't going to do it. But they, they just need to continue doing what they're doing. They need to continue to get better on the offensive line. If they even take one step forward on the offensive line, they're going to gouge Stanford in the run game. And I'm not going to rehash everything that you said, but if, as long as they keep opening the playbook just a little bit, for Drew Pine, I think he's going to continue to get better. I think the running game is going to continue to get better. I mean, yes, they need to show up, but they also need to continue to take that step forward that we've seen for the last few weeks. If they do that, this game is not going to be close. I mean, it's a double-digit spread right now. I think that's appropriate. I always get nervous when it's more than two touchdowns and it's kind of in that neighborhood, but at the same time, that's what should happen. Yeah. So we'll yep. see, but yes, they just need to show up and continue doing what they have been doing and they'll be just fine. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let me keep scrolling here. Tyler's got a super chat and he said he's a diehard Panthers fan. It's been a rough three years. Coach was fired. Matt Rule, of course, fired. 18. Was fired I'm not, 18. I'm not sure what the 18 is, but the rest of it yeah, makes sense. Maybe that's a typo. Fired and a coach. Who's his job, but where do you think he will go next? Um, I think Matt Rule, maybe he was talking about, I think it's like $18 million maybe he's owed or something like that. If uh, Keep keep an eye and see oh, if maybe, maybe Tyler kind of chimes in again with the follow-up to this. You know, Eric Bieniemy's still out there. You know, he's he's the, the, the name that comes up every year, the Chiefs offensive coordinator. He's interviewed a lot. He has never got anything. You do have to start to wonder, you know, with a guy like that, like, well, with all these interviews he's getting and he still hasn't been hired, is he, you know, just, does he not interview particularly well, you know? Yeah. But he's, I mean, he's the first hot candidate I can think of. Other than that. Well, I, I think uh, uh, the OC, the OC down in, uh, in Tampa, um oh leftwich yeah Byron leftwich. i think he's a pretty high candidate as well for head coaching jobs even though uh, you know like if you want to make the counterpoint to that the fact that he's had tom brady for three years definitely helps him yeah uh, absolutely i mean <laughs> look at the offensive coordinators that have gotten head coaching jobs that had tom brady at quarterback a lot uh so and defensive coordinators for that matter as well and it's funny how they all end up back in new england but uh, either way, I think Byron Leftwich is a candidate. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, the NFL is so flavor of the month, it feels like. You know, I <laughs> head coaches don't last very long. Let's just put it that way. Here's, what, here's an interesting one from Lucas. He says, Cam Hart and Brandon Joseph have both been underwhelming considering the hype they've been receiving for their draft prospects. Quick question, would they benefit returning? Is it actually possible? I'll just say this. Today, 
Brandon Joseph, they announced that he was named to the to the lot. He was like the you know the lot impact player of the week. You know, like the lot, the Ronnie Lot Award gives out. You know, like an, a defensive impact player of the week. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm really hard pressed for as much hype as this guy had. Now he's playing solid because, you know, when you know when he's where he's supposed to be, you know, things aren't going wrong. But like. For as great as he was supposed to be, like I'm, I struggle to think of the quote unquote impact type plays that yeah. I've seen him make so far. Agreed. No, I, I, I'm, I completely agree. And with this, with this question specifically, they would both benefit as of right now. I mean, yeah. look, Cam Hart has been fine. He's been fine. You know what I mean? He had, he did not take the step that I thought he was going to take this year. And so if he thinks that he is a first round draft pick, he needs to come back. And, and now he's going to have opportunities. Hold on, hold it. Say that again. You said if you if he thinks he's a first first If he round thinks draft he pick. will be a first round draft pick at some point. Like if, he, oh, if gotcha. that's his like goal in the future. In yeah, the future. if that's his goal when he comes out to be a first round draft pick, I should have explained that better, then he should come back. Because as of right now, if he comes out this year, I don't think that's going to be the case. Right. And so now he's going to have opportunities in, in big games against Clemson and against USC potentially to get some good film. And maybe that bumps him into the first round. But as of right now, I don't think that that's the case. So I do think he needs to come back. And Brandon Joseph, as you had mentioned, has not had a standout amazing game. I thought he had a really good game against Ohio State. I thought he I think he has done a good job as a punt returner. But as a safety, he's not making Kyle Hamilton plays right now. Yeah. He's he's not laying guys out left and right. He's you know maybe guys turn on the film and they see you know coaches turn on the film and they see you know a really good safety you know that sort of a thing and maybe he doesn't need to come back. I feel like he could benefit from another year at this point. Well, and the thing with Cam Hart is, I, I feel like if he came out based on the way he's played so far, he's probably in the Kevin Austin situation. You're completely overestimating his value, and it's not going to go well for him right. in the NFL draft, the, the way he's played so far. Not that he's like been horrible by any means. I'm not saying that, but obviously there have been enough plays where he hasn't played to the standard that he set last year, whereas you've got all these young guys around him who are playing just as well, if not better than him in a right. lot of cases. Yeah, and, and, and he's getting outplayed by a freshman right now. I exactly. Mean, Everybody is, frankly. I mean, Benjamin Morris is outplaying everybody in the secondary. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there are other guys kind of stealing the limelight right now. And, you know, Kyle Hamilton had the limelight all to himself, even when he wasn't playing. Right. And he does have a fifth year that he could come back because of the COVID year. So, right. right. I think he would benefit from it. Now, the question becomes, you know, like from a program standpoint – what you know what would Notre Dame want out of that because you do have these younger guys who are you know both two you know two freshmen obviously who are playing right now and you've got the recruiting at that position is on the upward trend so where what would Notre Dame want would he would he yeah. be a depth guy you know what kind of playing situation would he have all you know you'll lose Tariq Bracey so that, sure. know, there's going to be some other stuff there but yeah Quinn says he hates the uh he's going to the Bears game Thursday Ooh, good luck with that Hate the orange helmets. I don't disagree. I mean, they're different. You've got all these teams going with like black or, you know, these these alternate colors. And so the Bears are trying to jump on the bandwagon. The problem is 
They can't really go black. It's too close to navy blue. It wouldn't mm-hmm. it wouldn't look any different, right? And so really the only thing they can do, they can either go white, which I would have preferred, or they can go orange. Orange looks like a pumpkin, and it's not a great look, especially when they're whipping it out in October, right before Halloween. Like that doesn't help either. I would have preferred like icy white all the way down, you know, just white out uniforms. I think that I would like look that. pretty sweet with a white helmet. I think that would look cool, but they didn't ask my opinion. So I'm I agree with you, Quinn. The, the orange helmets are bad. I would have gone white. Yeah. I that that's a good call. I, I'd like to see that. I think that like, you know, that kind of icy white look that you're talking about looks really sharp. And like doing something like what the Bengals did with with, with the white, you know, basically the black and white helmets. Yeah. And, you know, yep. maybe like put some bear paws on there or even like, you know, that. They, they obviously like that, uh, you know, Michigan-looking thing as their throwback. Maybe instead of the blue helmet, do that with the stripes and and make it black and white or something. Right. Yeah. Do yes. Something different. Do something different. And again, I'm I'm kind of in a white stage, I guess, in my life. I enjoy, like, the white look. And uh, I think that's a just a clean, classy look. So I like the all-white. I would love to see the Bears go all-white. Yeah. Milton fan 15. What's more enjoyable to watch BK losing at LSU or watching BK wait on the sideline to yell at his quarterback for me, for my entertainment value, when they pan to him and seeing if he's going to blow up on somebody on the sideline, that's far more entertaining than yes. just watching him lose. I mean, he basically him- just starts biting his lip and you know, all that stuff at the end of the game when he's losing and true. You know, the entertainment value there is the press conference. So. I mean, watching them lose is pretty darned entertaining because it's an entire game's worth of bad decisions and, you know, regret. Uh, so I, I do enjoy that. But at this, I mean, I, I, let's be honest, I enjoy both of those. So I'll go with losing just because it's, it's like a three hour thing as opposed to a 30 okay. second thing. But either one is, is very palatable to me right now. Here's an interesting one. Shy town. If Notre Dame made it to a new year's six bowl, who would you like them to play? Michigan. <laughs> Plain and simple. I, I think Michigan has had a baby soft schedule so far this year. They have. And obviously that's going to – I believe they have Penn State this week, if I'm not mistaken. So obviously that's going to change this week, although Penn State isn't exactly a world beater. I was going to say, Penn State basically – I mean, they played Purdue and they played Auburn. True. that's it. No, absolutely. So I I would love to see Michigan. I would love to beat Michigan in a New Year's Six. So you check off a few things. You know, the last time you played Michigan, you got curb stomped in a rainstorm, right? And so I would love to see them have some retribution for that. And then also you win your New Year's Six game at the same time. That would be a pretty sweet way to shove off into the offseason for me. That's a good one. That's a good one. I think I'd probably take that as well. You know, like I was originally thinking, oh, well, Kansas is ranked this year. I don't want to see that, though. Like, (laughs) I I don't – that would just be – That would be hard, though, wouldn't it? It would. It would be very hard. Yeah, that would be tough because it's the team that you want, your heart is with, and then – you're covering Notre Dame. Obviously, you're a fan of Notre Dame as well. But like, right. that would be really hard. Yeah, I would not want that. I think Kansas played here. It was a year or two before I moved here, and they were not good. It was like Eddie uh, Robinson Classic or something like that. I don't know if you remember that. That sounds familiar, but I would admit if it's before you moved, it was before I was you know following the team from a professional standpoint. So That's true. Yeah. Sean Stewart, which running back will get to 100 all-purpose yards against Stanford? I'll say all of them. <laughs> I know, right? 
I, I mean, I, Audric yeah. seems to be the guy. He's the hot hand right now. Yeah. I was I was doing a notebook from Tommy Reese's comments yesterday. You know, he was talking about the running backs and stuff, and you know, mixing and matching them and all that kind of thing. In these last three games, it's a total of six running backs who have had 100 all you know yards from scrimmage in those three games. And Audric Estime is the common denom- denominator. He's gone over 100 yards from scrimmage all three times. I mean, there so, you go. To me, he's the most obvious, especially the way they use him. You know, yeah. as the as the closer and all that kind of stuff. Right. Absolutely. And I, I mean, you only need to break off one, and then you know, a screen or you know, something along those lines. I mean. I mean, I don't think Logan Diggs is an option here. Not that I don't think he could do it. I just don't think he'll be first, right? And so it's a toss-up between Tyree and Estime, but I think Estime is going to get more touches, so I would go with Estime. Yeah, I, I think if Diggs does it, like more than half of it is going to come catching the football yeah. and running the football. Right, right. Just, again, you know, based on – but who knows? Maybe it changes. They have he could have been first, man. Yeah. He could have been first last week if he doesn't drop that screen pass. So, yeah. I mean, that was – he had room to go. Yep. yep. Ladarius, how do you think y'all – how do you all think Notre Dame will finish the month of October? Undefeated. And it would be a huge disappointment if they don't. Huge. Syracuse will be a test to close it out. But, you know, good defense. I, I, I ultimately don't think they're – I, I think Notre Dame is better than them, though, and should you know physically should be superior to them, even though they're you know they're playing well and they're still undefeated right now. But again, the Stanford team this week is not good. UNLV's got at least a decent record, but again, like Cal beat UNLV the week before uh, Cal came to Notre Dame, and I think Notre Dame is better now than they were then, and so we're starting to see them ascend. So I yeah. think I think they'll close it out. I yeah. think they'll win these three games going into Clemson. Right. Yep, I agree. I, six and two Notre Dame team going into Clemson yeah. game. Yeah, I think they'll I'm be ranked. I'm not saying they're going to run over Syracuse. I think I, that could I, be I, a very competitive game. But I, I didn't say win. that either. And I think playing in the in the you know in the dome over there up there is also very difficult. I mean, it's just it's just weird playing in there. So that's going to be you know, a challenge in and of itself, right? But I still think that they're going to beat them. I think that they will be undefeated in the month of October. Yeah. All right. Shannon, can you believe tomorrow is the 10-year anniversary of the 2012 overtime win in the goal line stand versus uh, Stanford in the soaking rain? Were you guys there? Any specific memories of that day? I know I was there. I think you were there, right? You were there, and that was one that you brought somebody else instead of me. That was back when you and I were together, and we were kind of, you know, whatever. There were a couple games where you'd be like, hey, I want to bring somebody. Because the only reason I remember that is because I was at McDonald's with my family, (laughs) and I was watching the game on the TV in the play place at that time. Pouring rain. Nobody was in the restaurant because nobody wanted to leave their house. So we were there and I was like, I'm only going to some place where there has, there's a TV, you know? And so I remember watching it on the play place TV at the McDonald's in Granger, Indiana and watching the goal line stand at that place. Why I remember that? I don't know. It's probably the only Notre Dame game I've ever watched from McDonald's, but I remember that one very, very, very well. So, and I was like cheering and going crazy and, you know, my kids were what? Dylan, I think was five, you know, the, the, the twins were 
very small and i think chloe was a baby so yeah yeah hang on just a second i'm gonna see if i can find something that i saw on twitter this afternoon i didn't realize the 10-year anniversary yeah i knew it was 10 years i didn't know it was tomorrow though yeah me neither that must be why david shaw was asked about it this week so david shaw Here's what he had to say when he was asked about that game this week on if Stefan Taylor actually scored a touchdown against the Irish in overtime in 2012. Taylor, of course, the running back on that play on the goal line standing. So here's what David Shaw had to say. Quote, the first time, absolutely. The rules have changed since then. There's more of a mandate to review everything goal line play. He was in. I believe it was first down. He was in on first down. It did not get reviewed. The other rule change is crews working together. That was a mixed crew. The people in the box weren't used to working with the people on the field. There was a lack of communication there. The statute of limitations of past where I feel like I can speak freely about this. I feel like I've had multiple conversations with multiple people over the years. Some people I haven't sought out. They sought me out, including some of the guys who were working in the truck, working in the van during that look at those. They insisted I didn't even push. They insisted that Stefan was in. in wow. Quote. Bitter so, 10 years later. But you I, know, know. I guess it is what it is. And, and, Notre and Dame again, is- it's like he may have eventually crossed the goal line, which he did. He eventually crossed the goal line, but his knee was down. At one point, and there was a whistle blowing. Yeah, and like none of the, you know, it's and the reason there was a mixed crew is because it was Pac-12 officials on the field. Right. I mean, they're your officials, dude. Don't complain about your officials. Exactly. And right. I'm, I don't care what. And he conference. didn't. But he, but he doesn't mention that. He doesn't no. mention they were Pac-12 officials. Of course not. It's a mixed crew. I, it doesn't matter what conference you're in to get a buzz from upstairs or. What like that means nothing. I, I, you know what? I hope they beat him even worse now. They reviewed that play. They said it was. I mean, that's the biggest thing to me is they reviewed that play and they kept going. And of course, Stanford was ticked off afterwards. And you know, you get the whole conspiracy theories of you go to Notre Dame and you're going to get screwed by officials, even though again, they're not Notre Dame officials. They come from conferences, right? You know, and typically it is the visitors, officiating crew of the visitors that that works the games, you know, and like you go back. I remember when Tyrone Willingham was here and there was a Pittsburgh touchdown and, you know, it's like it, calls go against Notre Dame here too. It's not a one-way street. There are right. plenty that have gone against Notre Dame that just make you scratch your head as well. Absolutely. No question. I mean, but that's what I remember. I mean, that's obviously the thing that stands out is all the controversy over that. And like Stanford still, complains about that the way Purdue women's basketball still thinks they didn't foul Ruth Riley at the end of the national championship game. And, you know, Ruth, of course, hit the two free throws to win the championship. It's the same thing. It's just sour grapes. That's yeah. I don't know what to say. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. I hate to say it, but you're right. Okay. <laughs> oh, Salty, which kind of coach has gotten the best out of you and which do you prefer, calm and reflected or, or hot and steamy? It's a good question uh, because I feel like I've coached longer than I was an actual player and I was never a great player except for 
I was decent <laughs> at baseball, but like right. basketball, not so much. You know, football, I was there. I could block, you know, that kind of thing. I was just an average high school football player. Uh, I got looks because of my academics, not because of my athletics. I had co- I had both for sure. I I probably liked somebody in the middle. You know, the, I had a I had a coach who just chewed my ass all the time, and I hated him with a passion. Right. But then when I became a coach, looking back, he was probably the best coach I ever had. So, in retrospect, I probably identify a little bit more with the brimstone type coach. You know, uh, I don't know that I appreciated it at the time. So that I guess that's my answer. I don't know if that's a good answer or not. No, that's exactly how I feel about, you know, like my best coaches. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit shorter than you, you know. So, like, I played baseball, I played football, and I wrestled. I didn't play basketball. And of the three, wrestling was my best sport. You know, went to state a couple times, had a chance. I could have gone, awesome. you know, to uh, to a junior college. I had a couple junior college opportunities before I ultimately decided to go in the Army. But it was – we had – the, the wrestling coach we had my freshman and sophomore year. And like, even before that, like our club coach growing up, um, they were the more intense kind of guys and not necessarily yellers and screamers, but like, especially the high school coach, man, he just had a way of getting under your skin and just kind of like, you know, making you, you know, kind of giving you that look like, are you freaking kidding me? You know, is that the best you've got, you know? And just like, and it's like, yeah, you think that's you think that that's the best I got. I'll show you the best. You know, it's just like antagonizing you enough and making sure that he was going to stay under your skin enough that he was going to tick you off. And and that kind of was was what ended up getting the best out of me and and really kind of missed that my last couple of years, you know. So, you know, again, not necessarily the yeller, but, you know, also kind of to your point. At the time, I hated his guts. You know, it's like I remember we were going to a, a tournament like on a Saturday morning and it's Friday night and he's still grinding us, you know, running wind sprints at the end. And it's like my freaking feet are killing me. We've got a tournament tomorrow. Can we just end this practice right, right now? You know, that kind of stuff. And it's just and so so I, I would definitely say the intense guy. And, you know, again. Did not appreciate him in the moment, but, you know, when you look back a few years later, after the fact, that was definitely the guy that I appreciated the most. I was 138 at the end of high school. That was my weight class. I was 132 the first couple years. I don't think those were even classes anymore. Those don't sound familiar to me. I don't know. They've all they've all changed since. And this was in Kansas, too. And I'm, I, I don't know if. I don't know if it's across the board, you know, like across the country with all the weight classes and stuff like that, but they've definitely changed the weight classes. Well, I know they've adjusted the ones in Indiana like recently. So yeah. they, they definitely upped them recently. But I think okay, not even that long ago, I think the, the the smallest guys were under 100 pounds. And I think that is not the case anymore. I think they're over 100. But yeah, because I'm trying to remember if our lowest weight class was, it was either 105 or 98. I can't remember. It's yeah. been so long. And again, like growing up doing the club stuff as well, there were so many w- different weight classes there. That's and, true. you know, I, I can't remember what the, what, what the lowest one was back then. Yeah. But I think it went 126, 132, 138, and then 145, 155, 167, and then maybe like 185. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, we, since this is the uh, the Sean show at the present, uh, <laughs> here's another good one. Oh, no, not that one. Hold on. There we go. Um, I was a specialist. I, I've, I, I could have gone to the NCO school, but I told him I didn't want to. I said, <laughs> you know. I'm in this for four years. I'm getting out. I, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to go back to school and, you know, deal with drill sergeants and all that kind of stuff. That's fair. A lot, a lot of my, a lot of my friends, you know, they wanted the extra pay, you know, so they took it, you know, they went away for a month or whatever it was, six weeks and, and did all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So spec four, I did my four and got out. <laughs> that was it. That's fair. I mean, Hey, it's four more than I ever did. So you still have my respect. <laughs> We were talking about coaches that we would play for, so I'm going to pull this one up just because it is apropos to what we're talking about from Anthony. He says, Sean and Vince, would you play for Coach Knight or would you have avoided him because of his demanding attitude? That's a good – that's a really good question. Well, let me answer it this way. Again, I was a terrible basketball player, so I would would have never thought about playing for Coach Knight, okay? So, like, if we're saying that – yeah, like, I wasn't a great basketball player by any means either. Which is ironic because my sister, you know, went on and played in the WNBA. (laughs) True. As as a parent, I would love for my son to play for Bobby Knight. Specifically Bobby Knight because he graduated his players. He was demanding. They were successful. I never really had – of course, I hated Bobby Knight because I don't like IU. But I respected Bobby Knight for sure. I would not have a problem with my son – playing for a guy like Bobby Knight with, I mean, because again, the yelling and the screaming and the, you know, the, this is in the that's, I mean, you have to be able, you have to be intelligent enough. You have to be mature enough to be able to kind of look past some of that and listen to the words, you know, that kind of thing. I think my mm-hmm. son can do that. And I like the demanding nature of his coaching style. So personally, I would want my son to play for him. And it's funny because my initial reaction was I probably wouldn't just because like, the stuff at the end when he was, you know, obviously choking a player, you know, grabbing a player by right. the throat and those kind of things, that's different. But I do remember actually, like in 87, when they played for the national championship, you know, like having a conversation with my mom and like, <laughs> she, you know, just thought Bobby Knight was the antichrist. And I thought that he was pretty cool. So I think that is, you know, especially like back then. And again, having some demanding coaches growing up, I, I probably wouldn't have minded that, you know? Right. I, I might not have always, you know, just like all of his players, and I might I not have that. liked some of yeah. the stuff that you were getting, but I, I do remember, you know, kind of being like, hey, I, I, I don't mind Bobby Knight, you know. Yeah. Back then. Right. So. I mean, I, I do respect his coaching, and he was also a philanthropist, and he's donating a bunch of money back to the school, and like, you know, so I do respect all of that. He wasn't. He, he donated to the library as opposed to a certain coach at LSU who donated to the football program, which makes no sense, but whatever, you know. Yep. All right. So we went down that route with all of the, (laughs) with all the coaching styles. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. 
For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is, man, you're going to make us think here, Milton. Best and worst Notre Dame offensive-defensive coordinators the last 20 years. 20 years. So that gets us back to 2002. Here's what's hard about the offensive coordinators. Weiss and Kelly, for the most part, you know, like until the later, you know, the, the last five years of Kelly's career, Basically, I mean, and like pretty much the whole tenure of Charlie White's, whether he was officially calling plays or not, like those were the guys calling the shot on sure. offense. And yeah. the, the offensive coordinators were, were you know, just kind of like puppets or whatever. Yeah. So that's tough. Um, defensive coordinator, I think that I would go with Clark Lee myself. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like about Clark Lee was he wasn't a very good recruiter. I know you don't like the recruiting, but like if we're just Never. talking X and O, because he was strategic, yeah. in trouble because there's no depth at linebacker and his defense would have suffered. It's fair. You know what I mean? So that is the only part that would make me not say him. Um, who was his predecessor that went to uh, Elko, A&M? Mike Elko. Elko. I he might be here for a year. Yeah, I know. I, but I did like what he was doing. And to be honest with you, um, oh, what's his name? We went and crashed and burned at UConn. Uh, Diaco, Bob Diaco. Yeah, Bob Diaco was pretty good when he was here. I will go with Bob Diaco. I think his defenses were pretty darn good uh, when he was here. I think that's he hit one man wolf pack. He he hit his ceiling as a as a coordinator. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. Uh, But I would put him as my coordinator, and I would bring Charlie Weiss in as my offensive coordinator. And that's what's crazy. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, like I would probably just call Charlie Weiss the offensive coordinator and go with him myself. Like if you're going to go that route. Yeah. That's that's good. It's weird how though, you know, Bob Diaco got to UConn and that whole train wreck happened there. And then he was just not a good defensive coach anywhere he went after that. No, it wasn't. I, he had a ton of success. I mean, he was the, the the assistant coach of the year. I mean, he did all these great things at Notre Dame. And then after that, it was. Jeff wants to know how confident are you Notre Dame brings their A game Saturday and steamrolls Stanford like they should. Hopefully we don't see a repeat of their attitude slash effort against Marshall. I think it benefits Notre Dame that it is a night game. I think that they will be artificially up just because of that situation. Uh, normally, I would say I'm not very confident because maybe it's BKPTSD, maybe it's the Marshall game, maybe it's all of those things put together, but Notre Dame tends to play down to their opponent. And we have yet to see a Notre Dame team come out and just stomp a team like they should, frankly. And they should stomp this team. And so my confidence level isn't super high. It's higher because it's a night game with the light show and all of that fun stuff. And I think the players really dig that and they feed off of it. But it's not super high. If we're going like one to ten, it's like a six. 
here's what's weird about this Notre Dame team so far this season. And Marcus Freeman kind of made reference to it a little bit. I think it was last week about the fact that, like, they've played their best football so far away from Notre Dame Stadium. That's you know, played a really competitive game against Ohio State. They, you know, even though they obviously lost, but then they go out to North Carolina, played a really good game there, go to Las Vegas, played a really good game yeah. there. And now, obviously, there have been some different factors that have contributed to it. You've got a different quarterback, you've had an evolving offensive line, all those different things. But Marshall and Cal in back to back games have been pretty. Pretty stinky, you right. know. And even in the, Marcus, the thing that he was talking about is like away games, you have fewer distractions, That's is true. what he said. Than you know, when you had, and I know you know, I took some heat for this when I said it, but like bring him back to you know, going to mass on get you know, that was like I, I'm not all I'm saying it is it was one less thing, and I even had some a couple other people you know, bring it up to me. It was one less thing that you had to do on game day. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's like basically a two hour commitment between getting the team to mass, you know, the mass itself, and then the walk from the Basilica, you know, over to the stadium. That's, that's a big two hour chunk of time. And, you know, it's one less thing that you have to do. That's why I didn't, you know, mind one way or the other. Um, but it is it is a thing. You know, there's a lot of things, you know, like you go back to Bob Davey. He used to bitch out loud about going to the pep rallies and all that stuff yes, he did. on Friday and the luncheons and, you know, all those different things. And, you know, there, there are just a lot of things that surround a home game. So I do hope that they can come out focused yeah. and not be sloppy. I'd probably be kind of in that same boat. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. I, yeah. I, you know, this is a team that they should, ha- you know, should beat handily, but are they capable of doing, you know, cause like look at the false starts and stuff like that. You had more of the false starts in those two home games than you did in the road game. That's true. And if this is a two thirty game, I'd be at like a four, you know what I mean? Out of 10. I, I just don't, I don't have my confidence level is low. It just is. And it goes up two points because it's a night game. But then I like devil's advocate myself and i'm thinking to myself well now you got all day to sit around and think about the game too and that's not necessarily a good thing so i i know as a player and a coach i hated night games because it's just you sit around all day long just anticipating 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 and it takes forever to get there i mean it's 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 very similar to like friday night football for example for for high school you know you play a game at seven o'clock but as a coach, generally, you're a teacher. You got to go through the whole day teaching and you got to do everything. And then you sit around for a little while and then you start doing your pregame. Da, da, da. It takes forever. It's the longest, like Fridays were the longest days in history. I hated it. So night games are a struggle, man. I don't like having the whole day to sit around and think, man. Give me a noon game all day long. I love it. Get up, get right at it, and then you, it's time to roll, you know? So that that's my opinion. Yep, I agree. Salty. Fill in the blank. It's blank that the LSU sites have started talking about their baseball team. <laughs> fantastic. It's fantastic and predictable. Predictable because they were so high on Brian Kelly and they thought we were just sour grapes about losing Brian Kelly. And, you know, you can obviously go see Brian's 
cameos on the different LSU shows, but they're getting what they asked for at this point. And it's going to be very interesting to see how things progress over the next few years because the next stretch of games this first year are going to be really bad. And uh, there's going to be all kinds of excuses made. It's his first year, blah, 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 blah. He needs to develop that championship, you know, preparation and all these different things, but he's not coaching at a championship level. So I hope LSU enjoys having BK. I concur. Um, yeah, I think it's hilarious that they're already talking about baseball. But they take that baseball seriously they down do. there, too. That's the other thing you have to remember. This isn't Notre Dame baseball. Look, we yeah. love we love baseball. You and I love baseball. We love talking about Notre Dame baseball when they went to the College World Series this past year. No doubt about it. It can't hold a candle to what LSU baseball is as far as the pomp and circumstance and the competition and the excitement level around that. Because okay, I've said this before, like – you know, even though obviously the stadium is not as big and all of that, it is LSU baseball. They do pack Alex Box Stadium down there, at, you know, night in and night out. And the the beat for LSU baseball is on par. You know, basically it's the same beat that they've got for football. It's every bit as big. You know, yes. there's a there's a huge media contingent yeah. that follows it, and it is demanding down there. It, it, you know, it aged my guy, Paul Maneri. <laughs> Quite oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, and, and, that, and there's a reason that he holds Notre Dame in such high regard because it was just different. Yeah. You know, it was just different. And your success is celebrated so much more because it's it's expected down there. It's awesome when it's up here. You know what I mean? Right. So th- th- there's well, a that's reason. a great point. Like was it, able to just getting it. to the College World Series is nothing down there. That's yeah. like. That's the minimal expect expectation right. going into every season. Yeah, he he was able to enjoy and celebrate, you know, what he accomplished up here, and it was expected down there, right? You know, so yeah. and I'm sure that there's people out there that think his what one national championship is that what he ended up with? Yep, it isn't wasn't enough, right? You know, even though he went to the College World Series multiple times, but one wasn't enough. So and that's a shame because he's an amazing coach and man. Anthony asked, who has most wins in their first 12 games, the football team or the baseball team? I wouldn't be surprised if the baseball uh, team goes 12-0. and 0, so. that's, I was going to say, that's easy. Yeah. Uh, and generally, those early games in the season, they're yeah. not playing world beaters either. So. And they're playing them at home. They, they're playing they, them at home because they're down there in Louisiana. Yep. So it's not like Notre Dame who's making a Florida trip and a Texas trip and you know all these other things. Yep, that's right. Yeah, Ladarius is right. LSU baseball, like... Alabama softball college yep. World series is the expectation. No doubt. That's right. Well, Patrick Murphy down there kicking it with Alabama softball. They big power for a long time. I know oh, that. Yeah. Was Oklahoma's a big one too, right? Recently, yeah. 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 <clears throat>